Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Right to Read initiative. My name is Dr. Katherine Garforth from Garforth Education, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Jen Sherrick from Pennsylvania, and she is a kindergarten teacher. Today, we're talking about her thoughts about the science of reading and how she uses it in her classroom. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jen. Can you give uh, the listeners and viewers just a quick overview of who you are and how you've gotten to where you are today? Sure. So I have been teaching kindergarten my entire career, and this will be my 17th year. And we are about 35 days into our year already. So we are already um, incorporating a lot of science of reading into our instruction in kindergarten. Wonderful. So how did you first start to learn about the science of reading? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Right to Read initiative. We started, we, uh, since I'm in Pennsylvania, I am lucky enough to be part of Patton and its great network of intermediate units and instructors and advisors uh, led by the great Pam Kastner. And so we had a few years back an initiative in our state, the Dyslexia Pilot, and my school district was one of the lucky school districts that got to participate in that program. And it brought some specialized training to some of our teachers. And I was not in the initial group of that, but some of my friends were, and they were able to give me a little bit of the information from that. One of my friends in particular was like, you know what, I really think this is something that you would be interested in. I think you could do really well with it. And she shared a lot of her information with me. And that led me to where I am today. We started with some Hegarty. We got tools for reading sound wall training uh, in early fall 2019. We continued with Hegarty. We've gone from there into ECRI training, which is an explicit systematic phonics program that works with wonders. Uh, that was also an addition we've made in the past few years following the dyslexia pilot as well. I, I consider myself to be very fortunate. I know that many educators that will be listening do not have the luxury of having support of administrators uh, like I do. Uh, I have two fabulous administrators above me that are very passionate about getting all of our students on level and uh, getting everyone the chance to be a reader. And it's taken us years of progress and we're still working right now to improve our practice uh, every day. And we are currently working on our letters modules too. So we just finished module three last week. Awesome. I mean, these are some great resources that are definitely an asset to have to help with your, you know, self growth and your understanding. And I'm sure as many people are aware that going into the science of reading for some people is really like diving off a deep <laughs> into the deep end and it's sink or swim for some people. Um, but with the right support, uh, you definitely can make it so you're not sinking. But it's very easy to just grab a million different resources. Uh, and frequently. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, my Amazon card is often full of books that I'm looking forward to add to my library. Uh, are there a couple books that you say have really helped you all along your way? Yes, I actually have them with me. I I have more at home. Um, it, it was too heavy to bring all of them in. I keep a lot of my professional books at home um, just for storage purposes. <laughs> but so my favorite reads, and uh, I know that some people that there's kind of two different groups of people in the science of reading um, that have opinions about shifting the balance. It kind of depends on where you are in your journey as to whether it will uh, be helpful or if you're beyond where it would be helpful for you. Um, for where we were in my district, shifting the balance was an exceptional resource for us. Uh, it's it's the perfect resource if you're just, you, you've had your realization moment where you need to, to make some changes, but you're not sure what to do next. So we've done actually two book clubs with it in my district. Uh, we did like a, an initial one and then a larger one. And then uh, my friend ran one in the summer too at our county level. We are running a like a subgroup sort of from our state SOR that uh, we encourage some teachers from around the county that we wanted to network with. Uh, there's myself and then our reading specialist from my school and then a neighboring school. She was at our school and is now at our neighboring school. We were working on that in our county. So we were working on a summer book club for that. But yeah, shifting the balance is definitely one that we, we've used. And it was just a really good starting point for people who just maybe don't have as much passion about um, everything about science of reading like I do. Uh, mm -hmm. I realize that not everyone is going to be as excited about reading as, as I am or um, math or teaching in general as I am. You don't have to be as passionate about every single thing as I am. Uh, I'm passionate about pretty much anything that I get into. Um, you don't have to be me. That's not the purpose. Uh, there's place in this journey for everyone. And the reason that I'm here, honestly, is because people ahead of me on the journey reached back and kind of took my hand and helped me. And uh, I, I always reflect on this quote that says, when you get to where you're going, don't forget to look back and help them too. And that's kind of where I am now, where I can look back and help other people because other people did that for me. I also have done uh, the structured literacy interventions with the patent. They did an excellent uh, book study with this. The Padlet that, that Pam Kastner made for this is phenomenal. Every chapter is by an expert in the field. So it's sort of like, and I, I was telling you this yesterday, it's like a book in each chapter. And we have a committee at my school for it uh, with people that wanted to read it. And we met over the summer. We have made a slideshow for it. It's uh, it's so much information. You have to read a chapter and then take a break and like digest all of it. it, it it's fabulous. There are so, I mean, there's like Louisa Motes is in here and then Devin Kearns. And then like each chapter you're like, how, how are there this many amazing minds in one book? Uh, it's so much information, but if you want to know how to take information. So you're like, okay, I shifted my balance. Now what? Structured literacy interventions has everything you need to know about each step of the process. And then 
some other books that I really like to just for daily use, the ABCs and all their tricks for all of those questions. Yeah. That, uh, we've done a lot of sight word mapping uh, and I drove the reading specialist crazy last year with, so I'm mapping this word, uh, the color words and the number words, because I have to map all the words now, because I, I can't just say, well, this is one. And then the kids want to know why. And, <laughs> and I'll say to the kids and it's okay to say, I don't know that right now. Let's get this book out. Let's look it up. Let's go to Google. We're going to go on etymology online. We're going to look it up. We're going to talk about it. It's okay to talk about big things with kindergartners. They love it. We go, I mean, we don't get into big morphology things in my class all the time, but use the right vocabulary, tell them about word parts and syllables. They, they love all of it. So I use the ABCs and all their tricks to, to make sure I'm teaching the right things. And then my other one, before, you, before I, we move on, sure. I personally love that book too. I, I use it all the time. Um, and I think it offers a great opportunity for that differentiation and in instruction because you're supporting the, the lowest students, helping them with the mapping. And you're also giving the higher up students more information that some of their brains are just going to latch onto, and it's going to help them in other aspects. Like you said, doing the numbers. Well, you probably spoke about how TW is often found in things related to two. Yep. Well, that's just not spelling the number TWO. We're looking at other numbers and things like twin. And twice. Yeah. Same with one. And I mean, we teach that the first week of kindergarten. And I, and we can talk more about that tomorrow with math, mm -hmm. um, how literacy and math need to work together. I spend all afternoon in my literacy block teaching about phonics and then in the morning in math it's like okay this is a circle how do we know that because it has a picture of a circle and the words below it and no just no that's not what we're teaching anymore uh, so that's part of my goal is to incorporate literacy throughout like we're all reading teachers in every subject so um, but the kids now ask me about it. well why why is that why does that go that way? Uh, why is this the magic E? Like I, I did a huge lesson on magic E today because our word that we're studying is like, and also the number nine, mm -hmm. and they needed to know that. And we talked about um, words that end with V and how the word have is there, but it's not making that say long A. Like we already learned that in my class because somebody had it in, in a book that we were reading and we had to talk about it. So uh, we, we just, as it comes up, and a, a lot of it is student-led at this point, I have a couple kids who I've, I've strategically put them in places in the room because I know that they are going to inspire conversations like that. And, and every year I have kids that really grasp onto this, the science of reading teaching, and I have kids that really need it. Mm -hmm. And I have kids that come in with whatever base that they come and are able to quickly build, but they are helping the kids around them by mm -hmm. having meaningful conversation. And that's my favorite part. That's my favorite part of the sound wall is that the other day they said, well, what, why does this word have one E for E, but this one has two E's for E. So we had to do a whole lesson on that. 
because that's what they wanted to know about. And I was like, well, it's phonics. So we're going to, we're going to go with that. Well, and the thing that I love about teaching and also get, you know, not frustrated is not the word, but challenged by is the amount of growth and learning that you have to do to keep up with your kids. I mean, it's the same thing with parenting. And when that's where this deep dive happens, when you're talking talking about why words are spelt the way they are or the orthography, right? You're going to have a steep learning curve and it's okay to say, I don't know, let's figure it out. And then having those kids in the classroom be able to help each other and say, oh, remember we talked about this? It makes them feel so important. And again, it's going to help them orthically graph orthographically map those words so that they can recognize them with a fraction of a second. And I'm willing to bet that there are students in your classroom in kindergarten who have more words orthographically mapped than several grade one students, you know, just because of how you are teaching. And think about how that's going to put them at an advantage across their peers that don't. And, you know, the problem, you know, that it comes up often is teacher autonomy and having the choice of what you're teaching. But I don't think it should be a choice to teach children how to read. And we should say, okay, well, you have to teach children how to read. And best practices, uh, X, Y, and Z, are going to get happening the fastest. So we don't see that Matthew effect, right? Where the rich get richer. Uh, or the kids that read more are better readers with better vocabulary and better vocab uh, comprehension than the students that can't. I have I have a little boy that brings books in from home, and he brought the bad seed in the other day. Mm-hmm. And a couple of them were conferencing about it at his desk, and they kept running up to my desk with the book and saying, "Like, look at this word on the sound wall we found in the book." And they, they were confusing seed with C. That's yeah. the sound wall. And I said, well, guys, this is the word seed. And I said, but it has the two E's that say, they, oh, we know that part. I said, we'll just add D. And they were like, oh, seed. We got it. We know that one. And then they would come back like two minutes later, like, look, we can read. We read another word. And it, it, it's fantastic. Like it fills your cup every day. and sometimes you forget how um, meaningful you are and, and it can make you choke up and tear up at times because you get to watch it happen. Like I'm so lucky because I get to watch that happen even just in small increments to watch them like get, then they would turn the page and then like more kids would run over to the desk and be like, wait, we found another one. And it would just be like the word, uh, because that was our word last week. It, so mm-hmm. like that's on every page and every other sentence, but it didn't matter to them. And then on the one page, it said bad. And it was book and it had like seven as in the middle. Cause it was, the seed was really bad on that page. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's how we, you know, when we were doing our, our continuous blending, when we, we stretch it, look, they stretch the whole word in the print for you. So you can just see how the sound works. And they, they like, were so excited about it, but that is why I'm a kindergarten teacher. Like in a short story, that is it right there. Of course. I mean, it's, it's amazing and incredible. And again, filling your cup so quickly, getting those aha moments with kids that aren't afraid to express their emotions. You're not going to have that same 
excitement and enthusiasm in a class full of high schoolers. No, no, you're not. Not you're not. Uh, that doesn't mean you're not doing a good job. It just means where they're at and their age and self-consciousness is a little bit right. more aware. Okay. So let's go on. What's the next book? This one's one of my favorite books, Sounding Out the Sight Words. It's Logic of English. This was one of the first books that I got uh, on my journey when I joined Science of Reading, what I should have learned in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew that I, I started uh, mapping or teaching, and I didn't call it mapping or sounding out sight words. Uh, I watched a thing years ago uh, from Kindergarten Smorgasbord. Mm-hmm. It was like this. I think it's called Sight Words 360, something like that. And it was just like a different way to do it because I noticed that my kids weren't learning the words the way that I was hoping. Mm -hmm. And I tried that system and it wasn't exactly what I needed either. I needed something slightly different. And then when I joined the Science of Reading Facebook group, I started to see all the mapping stuff. And then uh, my friend Melissa and I worked uh, really hard on the Wonders Words K-2. And the UFLY uh, website has tons of resources about teaching sight words the right way. And I, I just started doing it that way instead. And I've made a ton of different resources for my parents. And I have some in my desk drawer here. So I have all the words mapped for them. With, mm-hmm. And we have symbols that the kids know, like a square is a traditional phonetically regular sound. A heart means that we apply a rule. And I leave the heart there all the time in kindergarten because my range is really wide. And then on the back for the parents, it explains the rule to them. So it'll say like S makes the sound, EE makes the long E sound. So that when they, if they are practicing at home, if their child gets stuck, they can use the prompting on the back so that we're all speaking the same language together. And that we're not just like, you know, memorizing words on a card. But I also have them in a slide deck on Google Slides and the kids can practice them that way as well. And I do make games with them too, but not until I've taught them, explicitly taught them. And ECRI added some routines with that too. And we, I had a different routine that I was doing before, which we also use in my class as well. So um, I, I do love that. Them. I love the fact that you're giving the parents the tools that they need to support their children, because realistically, these parents likely did not have this background and they don't necessarily have this professional training, even if they are a classroom teacher, because it wasn't in their professional development and professional training from the beginning. And when you, when you look at words this way, it makes so much more sense. And I I remember my husband was reading with my daughter one time and they came across a word and I explained why, you know, I can't remember what the word was. He's like, huh, I never knew that. I just knew that it was this word. Yeah. That makes sense. And I tell the kids all the time, and I said this to them today, uh, I use this, it's an Orton Gillingham type thing. It's an ice cream cone. It's, it's on the wall, but, Mm. um, I asked the creator if she could make it into a bookmark for us because Mm -hmm. it's really big and I want to give it to our para because I wanted her to be able to take it with her on the road, so to Mm -hmm. speak. So when she's working with any kids from any classroom, she can use that. So it says, 
listen, repeat, tap the sounds, say the letters, or I'm sorry, say the letters, write the letters. Mm-hmm. And I can send you the name of the shop that it's from. Um, she has a whole Orton Gillingham shop and, and I am trained in that, but I loved how it was scoops and I point to the scoops as I do it, but I also made folders for my families for open house because I didn't want to send just a bunch of random things home because I mean, let's be honest, it, it just piles up on the counters and you, you can't find them. And I don't, I'm not judging anyone. I totally get it. Life is really busy. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'm going to make this folder for you. I'm going to put it on the desks and you just take it. And when you're doing homework, it has like a big star sticker on it to match the room theme. And that way the kids know, and you get it out and it has all of the handwriting prompts in it. So that cause they're like, it's so messy. We'll, we'll use the same language, but I want to put the bookmark in there too. So when they're spelling or sounding out, they can pull it out and say the same prompting. And I said to the kids, you're going to have to teach your grown up about this too, because when we went to school, we did not learn these things. Mm-hmm. So you're going to know a little more about it, but you might have to teach them how we do it so that they can help you the same way that I do. Because all, all a parent wants is for their child to be successful. Do we, do we all know how to do it, you know, the same way, or do we all have the same training in it? Absolutely not. And do all teachers have the same success with their children at home that they would at school? No, not at all. But honestly, we're all just sending the best that we have to school. And so as a kindergarten teacher, I think part of my job is to help the parents learn how to help their children too. And I've been working a lot on that over the past two years, especially um, that was a big thing with the pandemic. We had to reach out and build really good connections with our families because if they needed help, they needed to know that no one was judging them. Uh, Nobody, no, nobody um, was going to look at your situation and think less of you. We just wanted to be there for you because that's what my community is, uh, where I live. Our district would do anything to help any family. All you have to do is let us know. And so I needed them to know that they could reach out to me and I could let my administration know and they would move whatever they needed to move to get something to a family that needed help. And so we've worked on that a lot over the past couple of years. So um, I've just built upon that with the reading too and, and math, but specifically the reading because that goes everywhere. Now, do you have any siblings of your students that you started doing? Cause you said two years ago, right? So do you have, have you had any siblings and the parents this time around are like, Oh my goodness, this makes so much more sense. Or uh, not? I have, I have had siblings. Um, cause I've been at my school that I'm at now for a, a while and oh, I'm talking about like, since you've made the change and parents are like, Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I, I had a parent. Oh, let me think two years ago. Mm-hmm. And I had the older sibling several years prior to that. And the parent actually said to me, this is totally different from how my other child learned mm-hmm. when you had them. And this makes much more sense to me and to my child. And Uh, fortunately their older child is in the same percent that I'm in Mm -hmm. and the the percent that, that learn to read no matter 
the method of teaching. And, um, and, and I, I don't know about the second one, honestly, because I was just teaching structured literacy. Cause that's, that's what we're doing. And, um, and, and I'm a rule follower. So whatever we're doing, I'm just going to be all in on it and I'm going to do the best job that I can do. And so, um, but the parent specifically remarked to me about my other child memorized everything, all the word cards, all the things like, you know, that what we were doing. And she said, my younger child, it sounds everything out. Mm. And both were good readers, but in different ways, be- just because they're different. Like the older one was lucky, I guess you would say, right? Because they could learn that way. But the younger one, in my uh, professional opinion, has a different set of skills now. And that's really cool. It was a profound Um, moment for me. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really cool when you can do that and make the changes that you know are going to make the difference in the lives of these children, but still accepting that when you didn't know how to do it differently, that was okay. I, I did the best that I could knowing what I knew. And, um, you kind of just have to put it in a box and, um, just strive forward. Uh, if you spend all of your time in the past, you're not going to make any progress in the future. And every minute that I spend feeling bad about things that I didn't know, um, isn't going to change anything in the future. And it's the same for everyone else. If you spend all of that time being mad and upset, that's time you're wasting that you could be improving upon your skills. So. Yeah, of course. And hindsight's 2020, right? (laughs) Monday, Monday morning quarterback, right? If we could all go back in time, we'd change lots of things, but there's a reason why we get to where we are now. And if we all would have taught differently, um, who knows how things would be now. It probably wouldn't be a perfect world where everyone was a reader. Something else would have been involved in the, in the equation too. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can't control everything despite um, me wanting to control every aspect of everything. Uh, You know, if we could make everything perfect, we would. Uh, The best we can do is, is our best every day with what we have. And um, you know, there's change that still needs to be made. And at this point, uh, we need to just unite our voices and try to make the best change that we can, because there, I mean, we know what we know, you and I, but there's still work to be done. Of course. And that's okay. But I'm sure we could talk about it for hours. For sure. Um, But what I really want to know are your favorite tools for kindergarten, starting with how did you start off the year? Get a fresh batch of K's. You know, these are COVID babies that, you know, at the age of two, the world shut down, you know, two or three, the world shut down and their experience has been different than every other class that you've had. So I start off the year with my sound wall up. Um, when I went to my tools for reading training with Dr. Mary Dahlgren, I was fortunate enough 
to not only um, get permission from my district to go to her training, but also find a time slot where she was the instructor. Uh, me and one other teacher were able to get into one of her sessions that they fill up really, really fast. Mm -hmm. And so a year and a couple months ago, last summer, we went and it was a phenomenal experience. She is an amazing person. And uh, even at one point we were signing off for like a break to come back later. And I got to like talk with her one-on-one -on -one about something. And it, it was a moment I will never forget uh, in, in my teaching career. And I actually do have her book too, her Soundwall Solutions book. It talks you right through how to use your Soundwall if you're not experienced with it or you feel a little overwhelmed. But she said you could build your Soundwall as you go or you can put it up and cover parts of it for space reasons, if, if you're not sure kind of how to set it up. So being type A, I of course have to go with option, the second option. So I have all of my sounds put up and I design these little fancy lock things to go over it. And then I have this key and I'll grab it. It's right behind me here. I have this key that I got on Amazon. And it's like a big, heavy metal key. And when we unlock a new sound, I like pick it up and I pretend it weighs like, you know, a hundred pounds and none of the kids should touch it. Cause I don't want anyone to get injured. Cause you know, my principal would not be happy if, if someone got hurt carrying the sound key and we go over and we unlock it, we make this big deal. And the one little boy's like, I know what you're doing there, That it's, it doesn't really unlock that. I was like, listen, you can play along and make it fun or you can just like not, yeah. but I'm going to make it fun. He's like, fine, I'll join in. So <laughs> yeah, that's last year went like all great, but the one little boy this year's like, I know that that's not really doing that. And I was like, shh, don't ruin it for everyone else. <laughs> so we unlock the sound. Uh, we go over, I use the, um, the logic of English has this really awesome, uh, website that has a link that has the audio and the visual for how to make your mouth go correctly, which I used a lot uh, when we had a mask mandate. Mm. So if anybody still has that, or, you know, you're concerned that maybe your mouth isn't moving exactly right. Uh, we put the video on the screen really big, and then we watch how it goes. But before we unlock a sound, uh, we make the sound and then I go over like all the headings at the top of my sound wall. And I'm like, okay, is this happening with your mouth? Is that happening with your mouth? Where's your tongue? Is your voice on or off? And we, you know, like put our fingers here. And then sometimes someone will be like, well, my tongue is doing that. I'm like, well, I think you might want to adjust that then because it's not in the right spot. So we've been doing a lot of that. We have um, many mirrors. We actually have, um, everybody has a sound toolbox in there. So I can hold it the right way here in their desk. And it yeah. has just my favorite tools that we use in my room. And um, our district bought us mini mirrors and everything's numbered because uh, in kindergarten, we number everything because everything's always on the floor. Uh, it's not anything like, you know, this a value reasoning. It's honestly just organizational. Yeah. And we all get our mirror out. We find our mouth. We make the sound. We make sure our mouth is making the right shape. You know, we can see this. We can't see that. We actually had a lengthy discussion this week about the T sound, the sound for T, because our picture, the, the child had lost their teeth. And we were like, you can see the tongue in this because their teeth are missing and they can't just put teeth in their mouth for a picture. 
But in your sound, if you have your front teeth, you can't see your tongue. So that was a little confusing for a couple of them. So we really go over that in detail. And then we have a couple of other things in our box too that we use for our phonics lesson. I don't know if you want me to go over yes, please. here. Um, we have a, a mini slinky and I recommend like the party size ones, like in the party row, like at Walmart or something like that. If you go any bigger than this, they just end up getting tangled and all over the place. And we use these for continuous blending. And in all honesty, when we learned that in ECRI, I didn't understand, like my brain did not understand how to do it. My, my mouth was so used to segmenting sounds, it could not string them together. Can you give us an example of the different ways that we can do this? Just so people who aren't familiar can. Yes, see? I'm trying to think. So we're doing stop sounds right now. So I'm okay. trying to think of one that is a good stretch. Fun. So we'll just hold, and I always say, uh, we have our slides on the board. So I always say you have to put your eye glue to the board from uh, the Better Alphabet song. We always put our eyes on the board and then the slinky is honestly just the motion. So you can feel the stretch. It, some of them stare like at the slinky. And I, I always say like the slinky is not going to read anything to you. And if I look away, you can't, like I can't read it either. I am actually reading when I do it with you. So we'll take our, our sound spring and we'll say fun and then go right back together. And if the kids play with it, they know like they'll get like two warnings and then it's on my desk and you, you lose your privilege. Uh, it's not a toy. It's a learning tool. It's just like a math manipulative, the same yeah. rules that you'd use for that. So we do those. I think we have like between six and eight words for ours uh, on my slide. I have a, a visual cue. The slinky comes on, you open your box, you get your slinky out. You're ready. The slinky goes off, you put it away and you're immediately ready for the next thing. So we use these and honestly, that taught me as a grown up how to do it. I, I could not, my brain just didn't understand like how to, I always had a gap between my sounds, but this slinky just made so much sense. And then we have a mini poppet in our box too, because those are so nice for the tactile. Mm -hmm. And then we also keep in our boxes, um, our whiteboard marker and eraser, because then it doesn't come out during like any other work time. And then at the end of our phonics lesson, we use whiteboards. And I also learned in my math course, uh, she said it so nicely. The whiteboard is so much more gentle when you're doing something like a phonics lesson and our math, but in phonics, um, if you make a mistake, having to rub your eraser from your pencil on the paper. It, it's just so rough. Like I made a mistake. Now I got to erase and like the whiteboard is so easy. You just slide it right off and you just fix it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, today we were doing like, and a couple of the kids had reversed their K and their E they had them on the same sound line, which was what I needed them to do. And they held up their little boards. I managed to find paddle whiteboards on clearance. Oh, cool. And so they held them up and I, and I said to them, okay, let's everyone put their board down and let's check like we do in math. So we're all going to say our letters. And we said, L I K E, we were spelling it. And I said, if your last letters are not in the right order, can you just quickly erase that and, and write them again? And then, you know, it was just a quick swipe and there wasn't, you know, all that noise that erasers and pencils and then three people lost their eraser and somebody, you know, made a hole in their paper, all of that drama is it's not there. 
And then they know, like, if you lost your eraser, you quick get a tissue. Like I put all of my supplies right on my slide. So when that slide comes up, there's the whiteboard, the marker, the eraser, they all know exactly what to get out. Uh, they, we sit separate from our desk during phonics lesson. And then when the whiteboard comes up, they all slide right back to their desk and get their three things out. They're ready to go. So we use that and the marker stays right in here. We have a mini flashlight that we can use for flashlight reading just to kind of make it more fun. Um, no one says phonics is boring in my class. <laughs> it's an old saying. It's not true. Um, in fact, when you say phonics, a lot of the kids go, yay. It's, it makes me giggle. Uh, we have a paint strip and this is just from the hardware store and you can even make this I made it with clip art in um, Photoshop last year when I needed one for my slides because again put this on the slides I write right on mine on the smart board we have smart boards and you, we just do our sounds and I usually start on the lighter side because it's sometimes hard to see on the darker ones and it's kindergarten so we generally don't end up down all the way over here in my class but we write one sound in each box it's just a colorful sound box uh, they like to do that too some days and then we also have a bumpy board in ours and we use these for a variety of things but especially handwriting we get these out for the beginning part of our lesson and I go over the cues and they put these on top and they trace over them so I'll say like big line big line little line and it gives them the feedback that they need Last year, I was just having them follow the prompts and trace them on the carpet. Or if you lost your board, you would use the carpet because we have textured carpet. So it was still giving you that feedback. But this year, I put the paper underneath it. And so they, I knew they were tracing the right thing because then at the end of the year, I was like, oh, yeah, I don't even know if they were writing the right thing because they didn't have anything to trace. So this year, I put the tracer underneath it and it's made a difference. Okay. So that's what we keep in our boxes and they love them. And I also need to add in, I haven't gotten them out yet, um, paint daubers. And I don't like the liquid ones because they're always everywhere, but quick sticks makes these, um, they're like a, it looks like a glue stick. And I think I have one in here. It looks like a glue stick, but it's like a solid tempera paint. Mm -hmm. and you just you use it exactly like a glue stick so we spent our first couple weeks of school doing like explicit instruction on how to use your tools mm -hmm. and so you turn it up a little bit and then you swirl it just like you're piecing but it's not sticky it's just paint and it dries in like three seconds and it works like paint dauber so we can use these for find the beginning sound find the middle sound find the ending sound and sometimes for daily work our like little morning warm-up I'll let them use these uh, or for like make a spot for each sound kind of thing so these usually go into their boxes too they know not to get their boxes out for other times of the day so I like put the exclusive learning tools into that box yeah well something that is another option is have you seen the sharpie gel highlighters oh, gel no i have the other ones that are the newer ones but i don't have the gel ones the gel ones i love they're awesome because they don't bleed through and it's the same thing you twist it and you, you go over it um and you can twist it back if it's yes too yes much. Yeah, we go. Um, I'm like, you can't, you can't glue with the skyscraper because then you have no more glue. 
Yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask you was the whole voiced unvoiced thing I think is so wonderful that you're doing it. Uh, a lot of adults aren't aware the difference between a voiced and an unvoiced sound and how important that can be to distinguish, especially from an early age when we're working with students that may have English as additional language or a phonological processing disorder and just highlighting the difference between how the sounds are articulated. Can you take a moment to explain the difference between a voiced and an unvoiced sound and how you teach that in your classroom? Sure. So when we go over the sound wall um, with consonants and we call ours the consonant clubhouse and because we have Val Valley and then we needed the consonants to hang out somewhere cool also. So two years ago, we brainstormed a whole bunch of words that started with the sound and we came up with clubhouse. So the consonants live over here in the clubhouse. And so all of our vowels are voiced and they come through, you can sing all the vowels. So the kids get those pretty easily and mm -hmm. your voice is always on for those. The only trick with those is there's different spellings for some of the vowel sounds and that can be complicated uh, as some of my students noted this week. The consonants are, the sounds for them are made using your tongue, your teeth and your throat. And it depends on which sound it is. Uh, you can make your mouth into the same shape and turn your voice on and make one sound and turn your voice off and make another sound. And not every mouth movement is gonna have a voice and unvoiced partner. So um, there's different categories of the sounds, which I don't have them all memorized off the top of my head but we are working on a stop sound this week. And the way that one works is when you make the sound, as soon as the puff of air comes out of your mouth, then the sound is over. And then if you have other sounds like a glide, a glide sound, you can kind of keep that one going for a really long time. I have found out when you have a room full of kindergartners, glide sounds can last for like five minutes and unless you do a countdown. So, mm -hmm. Uh, those sounds, depending on how you move your lips, your tongue, your teeth, and your mouth, it will affect how your sound comes out. Uh, it's really important that you teach the right way to form your sounds because the way that your mouth is moving or not moving and your voice is turned on or off is going to impact what sound they think they're making, which eventually is going to impact their spelling and spelling matters. Mm -hmm. So we don't always correct for dialect when we're speaking, but when we're spelling, spelling matters. And uh, in fact, today we were doing a word and uh, it was, I think it was tap was the word. And we had done pat and tap and we had already talked about earlier in the week that they were reversed. I didn't get into the fancy word of that because I said onomatopoeia the other day and they were all like, what? <laughs> so I was like, well, we'll hold off on, on the official word for that. Uh, so I said tap and I, I said it and then they repeated it. And then I was like, now we're going to tap tap. And then, then we all laughed and I was like, oh, I'll be here all day. And, you know, like two kids laughs because there's always two. Yeah. Um, so we did it and we did app. And the one little girl said to me, okay, where does the B go? And she was confusing 
the b and the p because they are sound partners. Yeah. The p is your unvoiced and you make the same exact motion, but turn your voice on for b. And I said, okay, now look at my mouth. And I said, I made the sounds again. And then I said, now watch. And I did voice and unvoiced. And I said, they're sound partners. So those are ones that you could get confused easily. Mm-hmm. And that is, and, and especially if you have kids that have articulation errors or are coming in with speech IEPs, you really need to be aware of those things. And that's why it's important to have them be able to see what the sound looks like. But, uh, and, and that's not saying like, if you are, if masking is important to you, or if you have a, a health condition that you're concerned about, I mean, there are options out there for example, the Logic of English website, I mean, that one is excellent. Uh, we also use Hegarty. And this morning I was searching for, I was talking to a colleague and we were talking about how our Dibbles 8 progress monitoring wasn't going the way we wanted it to. The kids weren't making those connections. And I had said, you know, I, I know last year I saw in Hegarty, they had a really good video for that where she was going through her sound cards. And we, in my class, um, Mrs. Botari does some of the things that we have looked at. Uh, Marjorie, she, she's a literacy expert. Uh, that's how my class knows her. She's, she's the expert. So we try to make our sounds like her sounds and our mouths move the way hers does. So, you know, I will say to them, like, watch how her mouth moves because that's how we want to try to make our mouth move too, to get the sound to come out correctly. And obviously we can't see inside of someone's mouth all the time, but uh, last week they they were like, oh my gosh, I did it the same way as her. I'm an expert now too. So it's really important when you're doing sound songs, sound videos, uh, brain breaks, you have to pick the ones that are making sounds correctly because even just one or two that are not right, like that, that could start teaching a memory for your, your students that's not correct and that could impact their spelling like it it, it matters mm-hmm. and when we have those minimal pairs or the voiced and unvoiced sounds they are very easy to include in one of those brain bakes instead of saying simon says do this simon says do that have it if i if it's a voice sound then you do it if it's a voiceless then you don't Right. Yeah. And I just did uh, the Reed Foundation training. They are doing a teacher university this year. Mm-hmm. And I, they th- I think they did it last year, too. Uh, when I was in the training, they were talking about it. And they are doing these phenomenal things with their program. And, and it was free to sign up. And last month they were talking about soundwall and using pictures of mouths making sounds to spell a word. So it would have like k, ah, and they were giving options and you had to pick which set of mouths made the spelling of the word, like made the sounds of the word and, and playing games that way. And, and I always call them games. Uh, that's what I call dibbles to like, it's time for games. Whose turn is it? And, and they're always like, well, I didn't get a turn yet. You forgot me. And I'm like, it's really not games guys. <laughs> like they, they totally buy into it. And, and they're only a minute. Like they, so it's all in how you present it to them. Uh, you have to, you have to buy in first and then convince. And even if you're not totally in like fake it, 
like they will feed into your personality and your investment in it, whatever you're presenting. So, um, that's how I do it, but I definitely want to get more into playing games like that with the sound wall. And we don't have a lot of stuff unlocked yet because it's early. Yeah, um, but okay. as we get more experience with it, I totally want to do stuff like that. Of course. Now, as we're wrapping up, I wanted to go through those five pillars uh, and for you to give me your favorite idea or favorite resource for working on that in your classroom. So what about for phonological awareness? What's your favorite tip or trick or tool for phonological awareness activities? I am a Hegarty all the way. Um, it just, it covers everything. And I know that the big debate right now is, do I use letters or not letters? Do I show the letters while I'm doing it? Uh, honestly, Hegarty takes like eight minutes. And um, in kindergarten, it's, it's a lot for their little brains to do. And I feel like adding more for kids who don't have a solid, and, and a lot of my kids don't have a solid grasp on all the sounds yet, uh, ask, like adding and asking them to pull up all of those letter names and pictures and all of that stuff. It, it just overwhelms them. And a lot of them will shut down, but mm -hmm. Hegarty is just enough. And, and we try to add in like silly voices. We were doing like remove the first sound and it was the same ending every time. I'm like, oh my gosh, again, what a surprise. Uh, you, you try to just make it fun. And there's so many hand movements and things and it really makes a lasting memory for them. They pull it up during spelling or an assessment. Uh, so I am a Hegarty all the way person. It would be really difficult to convince me otherwise based on, uh, the years of experience and the success that I've seen. And I, and I know it's research-based as well. Well, and, and the other thing that, you know, I'm not saying whether you should use Hagerty every day oh, right, right, right. or not, but I love the fact that you don't have to come up with the words by yourself because that can take so That's much true. time coming up with the activities and the words. And you're trying to think of a compound word that you can segment into its two parts yeah. And when you're trying to do it, it's a lot harder. It's like, okay, I did that one a lot. Like, so just having that resource yeah. there for you to choose. So you don't necessarily have to run through the whole routine every single day. You can pick and choose which parts you do. And that's the beauty of it. The And the best part too, is that uh, it's only supposed to take around you know, eight minutes. And if you're going over, you cut out some of the list or um, if if it's not working, you know, you can restructure parts of it, but they have everything spiraled so nicely. Like everything works with this vowel or that vowel. And then the blends come in later and the digraphs, like, uh, it's, it's all there for you. And, uh, I, I have interacted with people at the company and they just want kids to learn how to read. Like that's their goal. And those are my kind of people. Of course. Okay. What about phonics? Uh, phonics. So I don't have a ton of opinions on what kind of phonics works for everyone. Uh, I mentioned we're a wonder school and we use ECRI, which is enhanced core reading instruction. And it takes what's in wonders, which is just not enough for what we needed. And ECRI is an exceptional program. Wonders has phenomenal, um, decodable readers 
And it's so well planned with their scope and sequence because the best decodable readers match your scope and sequence because you don't have to do any extra work. Well, that's what ECRI does. Because if you get another phonics piece, then you have to restructure everything. Well, ECRI just kind of is, Wonders is like your cake, ECRI is like your icing. Uh, it just makes everything work well. And the kids learn. And it's like, oh, well, this is what we did in phonics. It's in my book. It's in this. It goes with my, all the words match together. It just, it works. And the kids can read when you do it that way. Great. Vocabulary. We use the Wonders vocabulary. Uh, Shanahan is one of the authors for Wonders, and you can definitely see some of his impact there. They have a really nice routine with it. I have mine on my board right now. Uh, there's They have an audio thing you can do with them. They have pictures. They have partner talk. They, it, I mean, it's very explicit. They tell the teacher what to say. Uh, we made our own sentences that go with it. And I think that that's really helpful, especially if you're a new teacher coming in and you're not sure what to do. Uh, that's one of the parts of Wonders that I really like is the vocabulary. And also there's a, it's like a, a read aloud with four pictures that you put up on your board. So they get a basic idea and then it talks. So they have to kind of imagine how that's going in their head, which I really like. And it has the vocabulary words in it. Yeah, of course. And I, I know there's a lot of discussion about having like scripted programs, but if, if you look at the research and you have done research, on programs, you see a lot of programs are actually not because you only get so much time to learn a program during a professional development situation. And if you don't have a thorough knowledge of the program, when you go to use it, you're going to forget. Yep. So having that scripted program ensures that you're doing and using the product the way that it was meant to be taught. Now, as you develop familiarity, and confidence in the strategy. It doesn't mean you need to go by the script word for word every time, but it, it has it. So you're just like, okay, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do with this. Like, it looks like a great, really cool resource. And I'm sure it's a wonderful tool, but I'm not sure what to do with it. And that's where we don't see the results that we see in research on products and then implementing it in the classroom. And I brought, uh, we made, we have, and I'll take it out of its thing so it's not so blurry. Our reading specialist put our ECRI into tables for us so that it would have that daily routine mm -hmm. for us to use. And it's been a game changer for us because then I'm, the ECRI book is overwhelming. I remember coming back the fall right after shutdown and it was in a binder like this thick. And I was like, Oh, look, we got a tree. I'm going to have to set that aside for now. Cause I'm just not there yet. Mm -hmm. But uh, once I invest and you got to, you know, invest and go with it. And I was like, I need to just do it. And, and it works. But uh, I also did top 10 tools mm -hmm. uh, two two summers ago. And some of my assignments, you know, you have to kind of pick this and pick that and do this story uh, for each tool. And I used Wonders for my assignments that I had to do. And Wonders does hold up well um, for a lot of the things, especially in the language comprehension section of its, it's a little lacking in foundational skills. And anyone that's used Wonders is going to say that if they have knowledge of science of reading. And Wonders knows that. Um, 
mostly because I shared that with them, but that's another story for another day. Um, but their, their comprehension is, is great. They, they have stories that follow the scope and sequence things that, and I mean, they line up with science of reading. And so I examined them thoroughly uh, with Dr. Glaser's, I mean, I, I did all the things I had to do and their stuff performed well. So um, I, you know, I'm in some wonders groups and, and I've seen a lot of educators say like, wonders is terrible, wonders is awful, I don't like it. It's really not that terrible. If you know what you're, like you were just saying, you know what you're supposed to be doing, if you've you know done the trainings, but I really had to examine because in each of the top 10 tools, you have to look at each different thing. And when I went through the comprehension and, and all of that, I mean, the stories did well. It, it hit all of the key points that I needed to find. Mm-hmm. And I was really happy about that. I was happy to take that back to my district and share that with my colleagues. Yeah, of course. Um, did I now, miss a pillar? No, we haven't done fluency and comprehension. So what do you do for fluency and kindergarten? That's a little bit difficult when we're talking about world reading fluency. And I know you spoke about your mapping activities that you do. Uh, but the other thing that I think is missing from fluency is recognizing that we need to have that automaticity of the grapheme phoneme correspondences. And that is a fluency building activity. Well, comprehension, I can check off because we use wonders for that. Um, it's, it's just because like I said, it is good. And if it wasn't, um, we would, we would supplement, uh, my principal has no problem saying this isn't, I mean, when we did our curriculum study, we went into the meeting and she said, I know we're going to have to supplement phonemic awareness and phonics. And here's my ideas. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was so excited when I went into the meeting like that, I was like, this is going to be great. My principal's already done really great research and we already have Hegarty. So we already knew that was good. And I mean, they, the admin team brought in the suggestions of ECRI for us and had done some of that research. I mean, I was really happy about that. And then we also have Dibbles too, which that, that has the fluency part Mm -hmm. in it, which our upper grades use Uh, for my fluency. We do a lot of the tapping, sounding, tapping, sounding, um, trying to get all of those sounds mapped automatically by themselves first, and then getting, and ECRI does do some things with that as well. Uh, we do a portion of that. We do some decodable books where, uh, we have a, a whole routine that we follow where we have to read the word. And then once we have the words that are high frequency words, we just say the word, we don't sound them out. But if we don't have it mapped, then we have to sound it out and read the word. Uh, We do that all year. And then I also use uh, the Wonders has a fluency component to it as well. Uh, We do a weekly homework, which is not necessarily a homework, but it's a decodable passage that we send home. It's not timed. Uh, I personally am not a fan of timed passages at home because I've seen kids go home and cry when they do them because I didn't beat my record. I, and because kids, when you ask a kid to set their own goal, they usually pick a number. And if they don't get to that number, then they're a failure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's not what it's supposed to be. So we do a weekly fluency 
um, later in the year, once we get into about unit four, because that's when we have enough sounds that they can do it. And it's just a couple sentences of things that we've taught already. And they're just supposed to sound it out and read it. It says like, read this three times and circle your high frequency words, the lists on the back. It's very simple. Uh, and it's something that we go over in class too. So we practice that way. And then we practice a decodable text for our fluency in kindergarten. We don't even have really, um, Dibble's fluency doesn't start until first grade, but I also have a fluency and I had it out today. I was talking to my partner about it um, next door. I like to do a fluency assessment um, twice a year in the fall. Uh, I do one minute because I went through this with a reading specialist last year. I can't really say read the whole passage because you know, they're kindergarten. And at the beginning of the year, we don't know a lot of sounds, most of us. So I time it for one minute. Uh, I, I don't like, you know, make it a big deal. I just like casually time it with my timer on my phone and like, don't make like a big sound or anything like that. And I'll be like, okay, great job. You go ahead back to what you were doing. And then in the spring, I do it again to measure the growth because um, it's a passage that's taught skills of phonics and also the high frequency words that, that I've instructed upon explicitly so that I could measure growth and see exactly if they've comprehended what I've taught. And then it gave me an idea of what their words per minute was. And I was really impressed with what information I got from that last year. And it kind of matched up with what I thought I knew about each kid at the end of the year. And a couple of kids really surprised me. Like I had to call the reading specialist and get a special equation for some of the kids that read the whole passage in less than a minute. So in kindergarten. So I, I was really excited about that. Uh, that's how I do my fluency. It's just a little different. We do some of that like uh, sound, 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 chunk, whole word, just just getting those beginning skills so they can build upon it. I sound out everything. A lot of the parents are like, so what, what is this um, thing that they do all the time? They asked me that at open house. Like, why are they going around the house going like this all the time? Uh, we, we just start with that. Yeah. To work on their fine motor skills. That too. That too. It's that tactile feedback. Right? Oh yeah, exactly. Well, I've really enjoyed our conversation about what you're doing in your classroom based on the science of reading. And I look forward to speaking to you again about what you're doing in the math side of the equation. Hope I have as much to talk about with math. I'm not as like comfortable in math as I am. So I have a couple things I know that we can talk about. I just am looking forward to our discussion and hopefully some new ideas too. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much.